I gotta be honest with you. With the kids out there, listen to this audio. That's a beer. And you know what that means? That means your boy's on a three-day hangover. Oh, man. It's called Brandy. Let's do the show. Let's do the show. Bing bong boom. Hello. Sir. Hi. Thank you. He's such a cutie. What did he bring you this time? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little hot chocolate. Some hot cocoa? Yeah, it's that time of year now. Wow. Yeah, it's that time of year, and apparently you're 12 years old. Yes, I am. Mm, It's bomb as hell. What, the hot cocoa? Yeah. Do you know what I resent? Not the most, but high up on the list of, of things that have happened to me during COVID. What's that? It's stolen a year of my life, and I feel like it stole the last good hangover year that I had. Ooh. Because now I'm, like, on couple-day hangovers. Mm. Do you think that's because you're just drinking a lot more? Valid. More often? Valid. Valid question. Valid point. Yes, Your Honor. That's a possibility. (laughs) Like, I used to be able to just, like, get torn up and be like, bounce back the next day. Go play a soccer game or something. And now, before I called you, I open this. I'm I'm drinking a beer, not because oh. beer sounds good to me or because I want to get like mm-hmm. loosey goosey for the show. I'm drinking a beer because your boy's on a two day hangover, and he's like, maybe this will work. First of all, does beer make you loosey goosey? I mean, if you drink enough of them, yes. Huh? I am not a beer person. A lot of girls don't like beer. A lot of girls do, though. I know a lot of girls that. They can drink some beer. My fiance is not one of those people. That makes me feel better. Yeah. It did steal your wedding year, I guess. Yes, also stole my wedding. That's kind of a bummer. I got to say, I wasn't going to be able to make it to your wedding because I was going to be on Sam Hunt's tour. Yep. So I'm kind of pumped your wedding didn't happen because now I have a shot at going. I know. I should try to go find that audio of you like having to come clean that you're not going to be able to come to the wedding because I had recorded it and then I cut it. Oh, you did. But yeah, now you can come. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. We had like a really small Thanksgiving get together, but after dinner, we all went outside and sat around the fire pit in my article chairs. And once again, everyone's like, where'd you get these? And I was like, guys, listen to my podcast because we talk about this all the time but if you're looking for some awesome furniture dude articles where you gotta go yeah it really is one of my favorite places to shop for furniture i have several pieces from article i have an amazing outdoor dining table on our back porch that we use almost every single day Um, i have a leather sofa that has really survived the test of time with the dogs it's our favorite place to sleep so check out article if you're shopping for furniture also if you want gifts this year great place to shop article combines the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. Article's team of designers focuses on beautifully crafted pieces, quality materials, and durable construction. They're dedicated to that modern aesthetic of mid-century Scandinavian, industrial, and bohemian designs. All my faves are wrapped into one. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Just go to article.com slash YFT and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash YFT to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I like how Southerners call it Thanksgiving. They put the emphasis on the thanks instead of the given. Thanksgiving, I not Thanksgiving. Th- Thanksgiving. That's how mo- most people say Thanksgiving. Or say thanks. I say Thanksgiving. You say Thanksgiving. I put the emphasis on the give. Yeah. So a lot of Southerners put the Thanksgiving, put the emphasis on the thanks. Huh. Like, I mean, those are two good things to put some emphasis on, I would say. Yeah. It's like Southerners, I've often heard them say umbrella instead of umbrella. And Thanksgiving instead of Thanksgiving. I think I say umbrella. Do you say umbrella? Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah, go, go, I got to get the umbrella. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. Mm-hmm. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? What did you do? I had a good Thanksgiving. Um. So this was Rise first Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And he is so funny. He was like, so what is Thanksgiving? He was like, what? Like, what is it about, really? And I was like, well, honestly, it's about us stealing land from all the Native Americans that were here before and celebrating that. And it's pretty fucked up. And he was like, oh, I had no idea. I don't want to celebrate that. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was like, yeah, but we, I mean, he was like, I think he thought like people actually sit down to this day and celebrate that exact thing. And I was like, but obviously when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner, that's not what it's about now. Technically he was like, Oh, I thought it had something to do with Christmas. Well, so I think people that don't live here think Thanksgiving is tied in with Christmas somehow. Okay. The story that I was taught as a child was the pilgrims were here and winter was coming and they were running out of their food stores and so they went and asked the Native Americans to help them out. And the Native Americans had a big meal for them, like got them through the winter or whatever. And so the pilgrims were thankful for the Native Americans. And then we subsequently <laughs> stole all their land and performed mass chemical biowarfare against them and yes. went, got into bad trade deals with them. And, and all they did was hook a brother up with a cornucopia full of shit. Yeah, Rye had no idea about any of that. He thought it was a Christmas thing. I was like, well, obviously, like, that's not, we don't, like, you know, we're not thinking about those things. We, like, necessarily, when we sit down and celebrate, we're not like, yay, we stole land or anything. I was like, but I don't know, it's just like a holiday to, like, be thankful and spend time with your family. He So he was like, okay, okay, now I'm excited about it. So it was literally just me and him and Trace. Uh -huh. Trace came over, it was, which was nice. And we made a real turkey. We got a little baby one, though, like a little six-pounder. So, so we made like a legit turkey that takes the little ones take like four hours to cook. But then everything else I made like instant mashed potatoes, <laughs> uh, macaroni and cheese from a box. Like everything else was like 30 seconds, bing, bada, bang. And we just like threw it all together after the turkey was done. And it honestly, bomb. Okay. So I Googled what is Thanksgiving or the origins of Thanksgiving. Oh, and, perfect. So Let's this is what it says. It predates us stealing their land. Okay. Okay. I don't think I don't okay. I think you're wrong. There. I don't think we're celebrating us being assholes. I don't think that came later. <laughs> I mean, I'm being dramatic. Yeah, I know. But I can <laughs> just I see that, some YFTers but... being like, I come from a direct lineage of the Nina, the, the Pinta and the Santa Maria. And that is not what happened. I mean, it's not a secret, though, that Native Americans like don't look positively on Thanksgiving. Of course not. So this it is, what... is kind of a messed up holiday. Kind of. Yeah. So this is what it is. In 1621. The Plymouth colonists and the Wampaoag Native Americans, um, someone's going to yell at me for not pronouncing that right, I'm sorry, shared an autumn harvest feast that is acknowledged today as one of the first Thanksgiving celebrations in the colonies. More than two centuries, days of Thanksgiving were celebrated by individual colonies and states. My version of it's right. I think the, the colonists well, didn't have anything. Are we going to really believe what we were taught in school from a textbook <laughs> that like the conspiracy people could have written? I don't know. You're right. I don't listen. I don't know. Brainwash us into thinking that Native Americans weren't mad at us so that we all thought we all lived happily ever after. But the reality is different. You made like an easy bake Thanksgiving? Yeah, except the turkey. We did the turkey the real deal. Oh, I didn't even do the turkey this year. Yeah, I saw you had some weird bird. A Cornish game hen. Those aren't weird. They're like little chickens. A Cornish game hen. Yeah, it's like a very small chicken. And okay. that you just make one for everyone? Just a couple of us, my brother, Sarah's brother, you know. I put them in a smoker. Well, I brine them first, which is, but you put them in salt water for 24 hours. And then, oh, yeah, which you should do with the turkey too, to be honest with you. And then I have a smoker, which you can buy a smoker at like Home Depot for like 60 bucks. So I have an electric one and you just throw on the wood chips, put a little bit of like Cajun seasoning on it, not much, and then smoked them for like two hours until they got to, you know, 165. It was the most delicious Thanksgiving turkey that I've ever had. Because hot take, Brandi, turkey is hot garbage, all right? It's a shit bird. It's way too tough. It's way too dry. That's why we put so much butter on it and then douse it with just fat gravy to make it palatable. I did see this as a trending topic over the week. It's I true. Feel, it's true. Of turkey haters. I got to say, I like turkey. Oh, I eat like I eat the white meat because I feel like it's not as tough as or something. I don't know. The the dark meat is not. I can't do it. But the white meat is like, I don't know, like ours. Uh, we, someone at the table, I think it was Rye, said the turkey's pretty moist. We were pretty proud of ourselves. We like did it up. Moist. Did we use a full stick of butter? Yes. Yes, you did. Was it delicious? Yes. Yes. I want to do my quick, the greatest side dish to ever hit a... Thanksgiving Day table is my Tia's famous broccoli casserole, and it's so easy, mm -hmm. okay? Sounds bomb. 
Get a love a casserole. Love a casserole. Get. A, I'm telling you that it, it literally bats a thousand every single year. Everyone's like, that was the best. All right. It's disgusting. It's a heart disease right in your fucking veins, but it's amazing. This is what it is. Get a casserole dish, right? Cook some broccoli up. You can, what I did is I did the microwave steam bags, get two of those puppies, mm-hmm. steam them up, throw them in your casserole dish. Then, you know, you can buy Velveeta in a big block. Yes. Buy one of those blocks, all right? Cut it up into little squares. Top the entire top of the broccoli with the Velveeta. Then you get two sleeves of Ritz crackers, original, okay? Put them in a plastic Mm -hmm. bag, slam them on the table until they turn into crumbs. Then you Mm -hmm. melt one stick of butter in a mug in the microwave. Then you pour it into the bag with all the crumbs. Then you mix that up, and then you put that on top. 430 minutes. I've had sex that was not even half as fulfilling as that casserole dish. Not sex with Sarah, obviously. Yeah, not better than Sarah, but uh, the ex-girlfriends. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, should we start the show? Yeah, let's do it. Is it me? Is it you? Um, I think it's you. Bros and hoes, you're listening to your favorite thing podcast with... Wells and Brandy. Where'd you get that shirt? Mercy Lounge. I like that. Yeah, it says, I miss hugs and live music, and I believe all the uh, like the smaller venues in Nashville were printing them up, and all the money for the shirt went to like helping out those live venues. So I think mercylounge.com cool. is... I did a post about it to try to help them sell a bunch, so... It's cute. Yeah. I do miss... Dude, I miss... Hugs, I can take or leave. Eh. But I do yeah, miss same. live music. I know. Me too. We can't go any further in the episode without addressing the fact that Mm. Noah Cyrus is nominated for a Grammy. Oh, she is? Best New Artist, baby. Oh, nice. I know. But you know what I was thinking? What? After after like the excitement about it wore off, I was like, man, it's a terrible year to get nominated for a Grammy because it's not going to be normal. And Grammys, like it's not just the Grammy Awards. Like L.A., the whole freaking it's a Grammy week and it's a full week of parties and events and like these legendary, you know, things like the Clive Davis party and like all these things where there's so many people and live performances and that's not going to happen this year, is it? True. But <sighs> if she wins, who gives a shit? <laughs> She'll have a gramophone in her house. True. True. How freaking cool is that? Little no, no. How many Grammys does Miley have? Zero. And your dad just got one last year. That's what we talked about on Sorry We're Stoned. We were like, it took dad so long to get a Grammy. Oh, man. Miley might kill somebody if Noah gets one before <laughs> her. <laughs> well, that's It's a, a pretty stacked category. So, you know, I think just to be nominated is like a huge honor, but obviously we want her to win. You can be like an artist for so long and just get nominated for best new artist. You know what I mean? Like some people have been doing this for a long time and then just get nominated for best new artist. So I think for Noah to have only been doing this a few years and to get nominated, like I think she, she's like super pumped and just really honored, you know, Bonnie Vare won it and he, he was on his third record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. So well, anyways, very that's... cool, exciting week for us. I know we can play some at the end of the episode, but obviously Miley put out an album this week too. So with Thanksgiving, Miley's birthday, Miley's album, Noah's Grammy nom. Like, it's been a big week over here in the Cyrus fam. Oh, man. Well, that's amazing. All right. So, obviously, we are recording this before the finale of The Undoing this week. So, yeah. by the time this podcast comes out, the finale will have happened. And it actually might be kind of funny to listen to what we have to say um, before we saw that. Because I've ca- I'm caught up to episode five. Tell me you're caught up. I'm, I'm all caught up. Should we warn everyone, like, if you haven't seen, just like skip forward 45 seconds. Yeah, maybe Ready. give it maybe give it a two minute a two minutes. Okay, forward. two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Yeah. Ready, set, go. Go. So the big Whoa. twist was that the hammer, the murder weapon, was found in the son's violent case. Uh huh. But it's also clean, which is very weird. Yeah. No uh, blood. So I'm, what are you thinking? I'm I'm thinking they want you to think it's the son. Ain't no way that kid is able to kill a grown woman. I don't think. No, 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 no. I think he's hiding it. For someone. Yeah, or someone... Planted it? Planted it there. Uh, my no, money's not his violin case. My money's still on Donald Sutherland. Is it really? I, I see. I kind of feel like it's going to be the dad. 
Hugh Grant. I think everyone's going to think that's too obvious and then it might end up being him because the son worships him. I could see the son totally covering up for his dad. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's too easy for it to be Hugh Grant and I think it is before the final episode misdirection to have it be the kid. I still think it's Donald Sutherland. But I also still like your initial thing of like, it might be Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she's there's something off about her for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. For sure. And it's pretty wild that in court, their lawyer brought up, like, well, why aren't you looking into her? She was on yeah. the security footage and, like, totally, like, you would think they would want to avoid, like, putting her, you know, like, on their plate at, like, at all costs. But instead, they just totally, like, shine the light on her, which is nuts. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited, though. I know. I'm kind of sad there's only one episode, but also, like, I'm so desperate to know what's going on that I'm glad there's only one episode left. Yeah. Was there going to be a second season? Like, what's happening here? I feel like when HBO does these miniseries, it's one season done. I don't know. Big Little Lies is on its third season or whatever. That seems very Big Little Liesy to me. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's because it's the same producer, I think. So are we done with The Undoing? Undoing, yeah. Okay, so I did watch episode one of Big Sky. Oh, did you just watch episode one? Because a second one came out. I watched one where, okay, by the way, if you haven't watched Big Sky and you want to hear the twist of the first like episode, mm. then turn away for 30 seconds. But here we go. Turn away now. They kill Ryan Phillippe in the fucking first episode? Okay, okay. I know. Like, So that's the big thing at the very end. So there's two things. Either, either he's not dead because they haven't shown a body. Okay. That's what Rye thinks. He's like, he's not dead. I haven't seen the body. But dude, he shot him in the head. I'm like, how's he not dead? And there's there have been other shows like The Outsider, where the main character dies in episode. Remember Jason Bateman's character just bam dead. Yep. And same with Game of Thrones. Oh yeah. The king gets killed like in the third episode. And then the other one is Deadwood. I don't know if you watched I've that. I've never show. seen that. Do I need to watch that? Do you like what westerns? Yeah. Yeah, then you you probably you and Rye would probably really like it. I need to start that. I feel like a lot of people are tuning in into the show to see Ryan Phillippe and he gone. I know. I was like, I just yelled out, "They fucking killed Ryan Phillippe!" And Sarah's like, "It's like Scream with Drew Barrymore dying in the first act." And you're like, "Yeah, but this isn't a movie. This is a fucking uh-huh. David E. Kelly thing. You can't kill him in the first episode. It's pretty crazy." I know, but I liked it. The guy that kills him, I like that guy. Like, I mean, I don't. I like that guy too. He's in like a lot of stuff. He's so good. And he's like, a great so, bad guy. Yeah. So like, what's gonna happen is that like the girlfriend and the ex-wife are gonna have to like team up together to solve the murder of Ryan Phillippe. I think the redeeming quality of this plot is uh, I like the two young girls, even though the blonde one's really annoying. The two young girls have gotten kidnapped. I think that will like story. It's not a side story because it does intertwine, but I think that story is gonna be kind of what keeps me watching. Yeah, I, I like it. I gotta be honest with you. I haven't told you guys yet, but I'm actually going to the beach next week. So you better believe I shaved my legs yesterday. Rye was thrilled. And of course, I used my favorite Billy razor. It hangs in my shower. It's pink. It's so cute. It even hangs on a cute little magnetic holder. So it stays clean. And it's just where I need it every time. Uh, If you guys don't know about Billy, it's the best razor out there for the days you want an extra smooth shave. The best part, no pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, and no breaking the bank. You can go to mybilly.com and get a starter kit for just nine bucks. It's so affordable, includes that award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a cult favorite magnetic holder. Yep, go to mybilly.com to meet the razor that made everyone start talking about razors. And exciting news, they just launched a new limited edition bundles of their best sellers for the very first time. They make the perfect gift and come wrapped and ready. They're an allure best of beauty winner and on nylon's beauty hit list for a freaking reason. Just go to mybilly.com slash YFT and you can support us while getting the best razor you'll ever own. And it's just $9 to get that starter kit plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash YFT. Spelled mybilli.com slash YFT. Shave your legs. All right, so Brandy, it was uh, 1 a.m., Last night, I was underneath the covers, pulled over my head so Sarah wouldn't see my phone light. And you know what I was doing? What were you doing? Playing Best Fiends. It's freaking addicting. I absolutely love this game. In between me editing this show, I'm playing Best Fiends. It's a great way to de-stress. The challenges are getting better and better every time I play. The puzzles are even more rad. 
I'm absolutely addicted to this game. And here's the deal, guys. With over 100 million downloads, the five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Seriously, once you download Best Fiends, boredom doesn't stand a chance. And when Best Fiends says the fun never ends, that's not an exaggeration, guys, because there's 5,000 levels and counting. You literally can play forever. Everyone out there needs to download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. It also works without internet, so you can play anytime, anywhere. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Do it. You watch anything else? You're going to hate, and there's not a whole lot to say about it because it's just like an easy watch show. But do you remember, I talked about it, it's, God, it's been probably over a year now that it came out, but uh, this little Netflix series called Virgin River. No. Everyone's comparing it and says it's just like Heart of Dixie, which I totally understand the 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 similar like similarities. It's like in a small town and it's about their do- like a doctor moved from the big city moves to a small town or whatnot. So like that is similar. However, Heart of Dixie, I just could not get into. Like it was just too boring for me. And this one, I just think the quality is a lot better of the show and the acting. So they put out season one and it did really, really well. So season two just came out. I'm like two episodes in. And so you kind of end, um, If you, I hope I'm not running this for anybody, but I feel like everyone's seen season one. If you haven't, yeah. So <laughs> it kind of ends with like this love triangle. For your picking back up with, of course, like you thought the two leads were going to end up together right at the end of season one. And then like all of a sudden, right before it ends, it's like this love triangle thing, like this other chick comes in and wrecks it. And so like now we're in season two and like where you thought they were going to be together and be in love forever. It's like they're like, oh, I just don't know. Like so and so just like, just you know, like a wrench in the whole situation. I just like don't know if I can trust you. And like, but he's like, but I love you. I don't want to be with you. So we're in like a love triangle sitch. Who doesn't love a like love triangle? I watched Kevin Hart stand up. Have you seen that? No, you know me, comedy. (laughs) You know how hard of a take it is? Like bold, bold take to be like, I don't like comedy. (laughs) I didn't say I don't like it. I said it's like not my preference to like spend my free time like watching or listening to. I know, but you love Jumanji and Kevin Hart's in Jumanji. Yeah, but that's different. (laughs) Stand up is like for, I feel like a very specific kind of person and i do like some stand-up remember i loved dane cook back in the day <laughs> yeah okay someone has shit on the coats i want to shit on the coats love it <laughs> his stamp's really good and i'll tell you why he used what he had to his advantage we're stuck in a pandemic no one can leave so he does his entire one hour special from i think his theater room in his house and he invites in a bunch of people who are all wearing masks so it's not like this huge amphitheater with like Tons of laughter. He's only got like 20 people to make laugh. And so I think that actually makes it much more difficult, you know, like for a comedian. And his stuff is really funny because if you've ever listened to like early Kevin Hart stuff, like, you know, the beginning it was about his kids and making fun of his kids or his wife or whatever. Now he is so famous that he's having to make his comedy about being so famous which is something that I think is a really hard thing to do because it's very unrelatable. But somehow, huh. Kevin Hart makes it super relatable. Obviously, we would all love to be Kevin Hart and have his bank account, but like, it kind of must suck to be Kevin Hart. One, he's just so recognizable to start off the bat. He's also like four foot nine. So, like, everyone is like noticing the really small person in the room. And then you see it's Kevin Hart. And it's, hey, hey, Kevin Hart. You know, like, that was a bad impersonation, but it's got to be tough to be him. It's got to be tough to be his kids. It's got to be tough to be his wife. It's really good. Like, if you like Kevin Hart, it's really, really good. I would hi- highly suggest it. It's not, I don't think it's his best stand up. It's good. And it's like really good pandemic fodder, too. Cause obviously he's talking about the fact that they're doing it in his, in his own house and how he's stuck and how he, it was him and Tom Hanks that got COVID first. I don't know if you remember. And he, oh, ma- yeah. he makes a joke. He's like, I couldn't come out with it because Tom Hanks is more famous than me, you know, so I couldn't say anything. <laughs> Just true. <laughs> Kevin Hart's stand-up special. It's on Netflix. Real good. I started a new book two days ago. I'm almost done with it. Need to know because I need a new book. Oh, I got one for you. Boy, do I got one for you. little book called Ready Player Two. Huh? Ready Player Two. Is it a sequel? Oh, yes. What? First of all, I didn't even hesitate to get it. I immediately got it. Okay, like I I didn't even think about it, but there was a part of me that's like, this is going to be tough because I would say Ready Player One is in my top five favorite books of all time. And it's like so hard 
I think so. If that book was, I, I need to go back and, and read or listen to it again, but I loved that book. Ernest Klein also wrote a different book called Armada, which I read and I did not like at all. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's, is this going to be bad? Like, what are we dealing with here? Like, it's so hard to live up to Ready Player One. Can you really have a That's sequel? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I want to do this. And I will say this. I think I'm more than halfway through and it's phenomenal. Wow. Like, phenomenal. Okay. So does it take off from, is it the same character who's the lead and his point of view and everything? Yep. Wade Wilson is the owner of Gregarious Games. He has the robes of Anorak, which makes him invisible and he can teleport anywhere he wants. And he's a multi-zillionaire. Shoto and H and his little girlfriend, mm -hmm. they're all still there. They're just all wow. super rich. And wow. like now like living in different parts of the world and... Days after winning Oasis founder James Halliday's contest, Wade Watts is informed about a new technology that Halliday created and never released the general public. Called ONI, this technology allows users to not only experience Oasis with all five senses, but also record their experiences in real life. Wade quickly becomes addicted to the thrills offered by the ONI and reveals its existence to the other members of the High Five. Both Shoto and H agree to release the product, while Artemis believes that it would only exacerbate the world's issues by making it easier to escape into the Oasis. So that's the premise, right? Like new haptics, like a new way to like experience the Oasis, but then also there's another hunt. The egg thing. There's more Easter eggs and oh. there's a hunt. And I will say this, shit gets fucking crazy. I just don't want to ruin it for anyone, but like real bad people that were in the first book, they ain't going nowhere. And uh, Ready Player, I haven't finished it. I'm just saying Ready Player 2, nothing can beat the first one, but I will say this, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like right where it left off. It's like a bunch of nerdy Freaking John Hughes references and like Rick Springfield song lyrics and all that stuff rolled into this like weird futuristic world slash matrix slash back the future. Like it is so fun. So anyways, ready player two, check it out. Have you heard of We Are the Champions? Mm, no, is it a show? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's a documentary. It's narrated by Rain Wilson. So Dwight from The mm. Office. Here's the tagline. Explore an array of unique competitions from the quirky to the bizarre and meet their passionate communities in this docuseries. The first episode, there's this town in England where they do the running of the cheese. <laughs> huh? And everyone gets all fucked up. In, I think it's in England or Scotland or something. I don't know. All these drunk idiots get on top of this mountain and they roll this wheel of cheese down the mountain, and then you chase after it. It's such a <laughs> steep hill that everyone's just somersaulting and fucking scorpioning down the hill. People are breaking ankles and shoulder blades and collarbones left and right after this wheel of cheese. And, oh, by the way, you can't catch the wheel of cheese because it goes 80 miles an hour. They clocked it. So it's just whoever crosses the finish line first. It's like about that kind of stuff. This crazy hot pepper eating competition that people are eating like ghost peppers and like just absolutely destroying their buttholes. Ew. Uh, I'm just telling you what it is. The cheese rolling in the farmlands of England, an ancient tradition sends daring tumblers down a steep hill in a risky race chasing cheese and history. In chili eating, from the seasoned titans to the bold newcomers, these chili chompers push through pain in a fiery showdown. Can they stand and stomach the heat? So it's just like all these like off-center weird tournaments. And it's just so funny because humans are just... So uniquely dorky, and I love it. I want to do the running of the cheese so bad, the cheese rolling. You thing. do. So I would love to do it. I'd love to be the first American to wins it, you know? That's what I need. Netflix, real easy watching, fun. Oh, and then the other one that I watched on Netflix, Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. They're still finding fucking sarcophaguses and mummies and stuff in Egypt. You know that, right? Like, it's still a thing. I mean, yeah. I it's, don't know that, but it sounds... They're still finding reasonable. them. Yeah. 
the tagline is, after unearthing a tomb that's been untouched for 4,400 years, Egyptian archaeologists attempted to decipher the history of the astonishing find. First of all, they're finding these sarcophagi's, sarcophagi's, sarcophaguses, just left and right, willy-nilly, but they gotta like, they have like this, um, religion or whatever that makes them that they have to stop working for a while fighting against the clock but they find this amazing tomb with perfectly untouched hieroglyphics perfectly untouched mummies and caskets and sarcophaguses and everything going through with a paintbrush just slowly wiping off the sand and just unearthing this stuff that hasn't seen the light of day in four thousand years it's pretty interesting Jeez, it's a documentary yeah it's on netflix have you seen a monolith in Utah, in the Utah desert. Yeah, it's just a metal pole in the desert. It's not a pole. It's like a big box. Yeah. And I read this news article like a couple of days after we left Moab. And I was like, oh, of course, something cool happens like right when we're leaving. Um, but a bunch of like hikers, stupid people have gone and found it. Yeah. And so like they're investigating because like no one like I haven't seen answers about what it is or anything in the news. And these um, hikers are going and like standing on each other's shoulders to like get on top of it and stuff. And they're like, it's totally hollow. You know, it's this this many feet tall. It's like it took like three people, like you had to get on two people's shoulders to get on top of it. Like it's big. Yeah. What do you think? You think aliens? I think it's an art installation. Who would put an art installation in the middle of the desert where nobody knows where it is? An artist. That's how would you get it there? I don't know, drive it out there, put it in the ground, then like leak it out slowly or whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like the biggest story in the world. That is nuts. I think if it was alien shit, no hikers would be able to go and just, like, check it out. Maybe that's what they want you to think. Yeah. Maybe that's what they don't want you to think. But then you think that, so then you think my brain yeah. is Yeah. <laughs> like, no. I thought it was cool. I'm going with aliens. Yeah, I'm down. All right. So, Rye and I just got <laughs> a tushy in the mail. Wells, you know what a tushy is? Yeah. Because <laughs> how this whole thing started was I bought one, and we talked about it on the show, and the company reached out and they're like, hold on, we want to be supporters. So I've had a tushy for quite some time. And I'm just telling you guys, this is a game changer. When I use my Hello Tushy bidet, because that's what it is, guys. It's basically a bidet that fits on your own toilet. I just feel so clean and so great. I'm using less toilet paper, less wet wipes. It's just the greatest. It just attaches right to the back of your toilet. It's super easy to install. It'll cut toilet paper use by 80%. So it'll pay for itself simply by how much TP it saves you. Every Hello Tushy bidet attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free happy butt guarantee and a 12-month warranty. But you don't need that because I'm telling you, you're going to be obsessed with it on day one. Yep. No electricity or additional plumbing needed. And guys, the best part, it's all for just $79. Like, Bidets are such a luxury thing, but like you can have one in your own bathroom and I'm telling you it's a game changer. So join millions of Hello Tushy customers right now. Get 10% off plus free shipping right now at hellotushy.com slash YFT. That's hellotushy.com slash YFT for 10% off and free shipping. Hellotushy.com slash YFT. All right, guys, family has had to adapt to a lot of changes this year. It's true with... um, Mm -hmm. You know, learning online, not being able to go to school, all that stuff has caused a lot of stress at home. My sisters have been telling me about it. They've got nine kids between them. I was like, you know what we got to do? We got to send them some KiwiCo stuff and help the moms out out there who are losing their minds trying to take care of all these kids. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends with kids all of a sudden. You know, I'm always wanting to get them cute gifts, but like how many clothes can you really buy a kid? So I also ordered some KiwiCo projects for some of my friends and they are loving it. Basically, these are like projects that are also fun so that kids can feel like they're playing, but also learning at the same time. It's genius. With KiwiCo's hand-on science and art projects, you'll give a gift that sparks curiosity and learning all year round. Remember, the most wonderful gifts are the ones that spark wonder and KiwiCo's seriously fun and, and innovative crates. You can share new discoveries with everyone on your holiday list this year. 
Yeah. And with different crates for kids of all ages, there's something for literally every kid on your list. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. So get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with code YFT at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KI. W-I-C-O dot com, promo code Y-F-T. Do it. All right. Well, I want to do something we haven't done in a while, and I feel like the Y-F-T years have been asking for it. And Ooh, Is it a fuck you very much? No. We could do a fuck you very much, though, if we wanted. I feel like we need to bring that back. Let's do this, and then we'll do a fuck you very much, and then we'll do some music. Okay. Because I feel like Grandpa hasn't read oh. an erotic novel in quite a while. Very interesting. Do people miss that? I, or was it creeping everyone out? Well, see, I, I don't think you read the reviews on our show. Say that I do that in yeah. my spare time. <laughs> and I do, and this is something that people said a lot about. Okay. So I just Googled the sexiest erotic novels of all time. Oh, God. An Uncensored Guide to Quality Smut. And this is on Esquire.com. I just started reading this one and I was just dying laughing. This is from a book called Sabbath Theater by Philip Roth. Just a small excerpt before you go to bed, Brandi. It's going to haunt me. Even dead, Dranka gave him a hard-on. Alive or dead, Dranka made him 20 again. Even with temperatures below zero... He would grow hard whenever, from her coffin, she enticed him just like this. He had learned to stand with his back to the north so that the icy wind didn't blow directly on his dick. But still, he had to remove one of his gloves to jerk off successfully. And sometimes the gloveless hand would get so cold, he would have to put that glove back on and switch to the other hand. He came on her grave many nights. And that was This an, is <laughs> And that was an excerpt from Sabbath's Theater by Philip Roth. <laughs> Who wrote that? Philip Roth <laughs> is the author. What kind of person is Philip Roth? Oh that was that was something. That was something else. The novel opens up not long before Mickey Sabbath, a 60-year-old puppeteerer, <laughs> loses his Yugoslav lover, Drenka Balich, to a pulmonary embolism. The book is Roth's great song of rage. Rage at life, rage at death, rage at the moors that get Sabbath fired from his college teaching job after he has phone sex with an undergrad. <laughs> I kind of want to read this now. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know? Just some light bedtime reading. I'll do one more. A Sport and a Pastime by James Salter. He is determined to perform the most gentle act, but he doesn't know exactly where to enter. Oh, he boy. Tries, he tries to find it. Plus hot, she whispers. His arms are trembling. Suddenly... He feels her flesh give way, and then, deliciously, the muscle closes about him. He tries to press against anything to go in straight. She is breathing quickly, and as he withdraws on the first stroke, he can feel her jerking with pleasure. Oh, God. In the short movement she likes, she thrusts herself against him, moans escape her. Dean comes. It's like a hemorrhage. And afterwards, she clasps him tightly. A Sport and a Pastime by James Salter. <laughs> wow. Ah, oh, man. You gotta love this. Uh, do people are... I, do are, you? I mean, I, dude, this is a thing. People are watching or reading this, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't know who... I don't either, but man. I don't know if I want to know. Anyways, I have to go have some Mylanta and a uh, nip of scotch and go to bed. Thank you for having me on your show, Brandy and Wells. Yikes. Moving my hand over her bronze tits, tracing a hip bone circling beneath the overhang of a buttock. 
shimmer flat palm down the back of her legs. You Ugh. turning over the knee, meander up her thighs, now Ugh. dipping between them for a breathless moment. Now skirting cheekily around the side, it hovers for a full quarter minute, then lands, soft but firm, on her cunt. <laughs> Ew. That's from the Rachel Papers by Martin Amos. Okay, goodbye, oh, Brandy and Wells. You've been <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> do we ever have to do that again? Yes, because it's funny. Hmm. Fuck you very much. Yeah, I think we need to, especially after that. I need I need something to lift me. <laughs> I think so they wrote ass, but it's ampersand and then money sign, money sign. Great pod. Huh. But does Brandy even like Wells? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> I love this Only podcast. <laughs> I love this podcast, but sometimes I feel bad for Wells. Does Brandy even <laughs> like him? She really isn't too nice to him at all. Never laughs at his hilarious jokes and couldn't even tell him she was thankful for him on the th on the Thanksgiving episode. That's true. Wells was always, that a year ago? <laughs> that was last week. Oh, last week. Wells always brings great content. You think she'd be a little kinder. You know <laughs> what? Yes! <laughs> How boring would it be if I was nice to you all the time? You've gotten nicer. If people go, go back to the beginning of the, of the show, yeah. you are very mean to me. Yeah, I think... I'd you know what? That's what half of this podcast is all about. Um, this is from Burberry sixteen eight eight three three three. Love, love, love. Subject line. Love listening to you guys every week. This episode was fantastic. Driving home from a long day of uh, working in healthcare and was provided with much needed laughs. P.S. Please, for the love of God, watch The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Fantastic. Okay, number one, Burberry sixteen eight eight three three three. We talked Queen's Gambit like four episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Anyways, thank you, Burberry. That's very nice of you. You know what one of my favorite things is? It's been one of my favorite things for like a really long time, and we just revived it. What's that? Yahtzee. Oh, yeah? I fucking love Yahtzee. <laughs> Ryan and I have been playing, and we played with some friends last night with some friends over. I slayed. I First of all, I got two Yahtzee in one game, which is unheard of. I've never gotten that in my life. Like... I slayed. And do you want to know what my lucky charm was? What? Every time I burped out loud yeah. and rolled, Yahtzee. Wow. And then, because I was like, this is a thing. Like, burping is it. So then I was like, I don't have any more burps. Like, I'll just do a fake burp. And then rolled, Yahtzee. Wow. I know. It's so fun. We got to take your ass to Vegas and get you in, in front of a craps table immediately. Yeah. I don't know how to play that, but I'll just burp and we can do it up. Yeah, he's got to get freaking... Give me some bubbly. That's all you need? Yeah. I guess it's a good question. What's your favorite board game of all time? I haven't played board games in so long, really. All my friends used to be obsessed with Settlers of Catan. I could see you loving that. No, that's too nerdy for me. Oh, is it too nerdy? Okay, okay. I love like Yahtzee, Catchphrase, Loaded Questions. Have you ever played that? Uh-uh. But basically, like you get a group of friends together and like preferably, I think ones that that like know each other pretty well, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like apples to apples, cards against me. It's kind of like that. Okay. Whoever reads the question, like if I'm reading the question, it's like, here's an example question is, what is an instant mood killer? And everyone needs to answer catered to me because I'm going to pick who I think did the, said the best answer for me, like what I think an instant mood killer is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's super fun. I, I love games like that. I don't, I don't know about board games. Yeah. Oh, what about me? Okay, let me tell you. I love... <laughs> <laughs> uh, me? Oh. oh, God. Thanks for asking. Have you ever played Boulder Dash? No. Oh, Boulder Dash is so much fun. They give you a word that is a real word with a definition. Like, it'll be something crazy like Laramie. So then you have to write down a definition for the word Laramie. And you could be like... Uh, old English sickle used at the turn of the century for harvesting crops. So you just have to guess. You make something up, okay. right? And then there's one person there that writes in the actual definition, and then that, that person reads out all of them, and then everyone guesses as the right one. If people guess your bullshit one, then you like move up in the board and stuff. 
And so like the new version, you should just be definitions. And now the new one's got like something happened on this date. Like what happened on this date? Or like name this person, Thomas Franklinson Burger. And then you'd be like, Thomas Franklinson Burger was the guy who invented the Laramie in the turn of the century in old English used for harvesting. So then, and then everyone guesses. And then if you, people guess yours, then you move up and whoever gets the most is the winner. It's really fun. Well, that sounds fun. Anything that's creative like that, mm-hmm. where you have to have some sort of creativity to play it, I think is fun. Yeah. All right. You want to do some Muzaks? Gotta. Okay. Can't wait to listen to a bunch of people named Cyrus. Which um, Cyrus okay. are we doing? Have first? you not listened to Miley's album? I'm, I'm going to be upset if you haven't. No, I have not. Wells. I'm. Miley and I are having a feud right now. I don't know if anyone told you about it. Okay. <laughs> It's really good. I'm really proud of her. It's really, really good. She's been working on it for so many years. I don't know how, because I'm always so impressed with her vocals. Like, her voice is just insane. Mm-hmm. And somehow she continues to just, like, blow me away vocally with everything she does. So, like, even some of these songs that are, like, pop radio, like Prisoner. Let's do it with the song. The song will do a Lipa. Mm-hmm. The dynamics and the depth in her voice is just insane. Like, I'm just so impressed. Um, but anyway, I'm devastated you haven't heard the album because I wanted to know what your favorite track was. But I was thinking today on my drive home, like, what are my top faves? Like, top three songs on Miley's album. My, I think my favorite is Give Me What I Want. I don't think it's one that would maybe stand out as being, like, the favorite on the album. But for some reason, I'm obsessed with it. I love it so much. It's got, like... I don't know. It's got like a vibe to it of like music I listened to almost like in the early 2000s, but also the 80s. I don't know. It's, it's a really cool vibe. We have to play that one. You know I like Is that about Liam? You know, well, I'm going to let you interpret it. Okay. Whatever you think it's about is what it's about. Like, um, okay, the last thing you just played, like a little tiny bit of her zombie cover. It's just so good. I can't wait to listen to that live one day at a concert where there's people. Oh, God, hopefully soon. Love the cranberries. We've played them before on the podcast, I think. I don't ever know if I'm saying it right. Aquilo? Do you know them? Yeah, is it Aquilo? Aquilo, yeah. Aquilo, Aquilo, something like that. They have a new song called Missing the Mark. It's really emo and sad. Oh. <laughs> don't I talk Say what you need
if you're going through a breakup and uh, you just found out that your significant other is cheating on you, this is the song for you. This is yeah. This is some real like. I just want to. I want to feel all the things right now. Music. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Can a wife here tell us how to pronounce that correctly? I know. I just never know. I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird. Oh, by the way, you know we'd ever talked about Caitlin Bristow winning the mirror ball. Oh. I mean, are you shocked? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I saw like the thing that they posted where he was like, hey, it was a bachelor nation for me. And she's like, it was yeah, yeah, that was cute. I think he's right. <laughs> I really I mean, listen. Sure. Uh, they were, I think they were both good enough to win that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was really good. Congrats to Caitlin. I know, like, she's had such a roller coaster of a season, you know, with the ankle in the beginning and then like the, a couple of tough weeks with low scores and. She just, I know her and I know how hard she worked for it and how much she wanted it. So I'm super pumped for her. Uh, and now I'm, I'm sad. We like made an event out of Dancing with the Stars on Mondays, Ryan and I. And now it's over. I now know. what are we going to do on Mondays? I don't know. If I'm being honest, I'll find something else to watch, I think. <laughs> I really do love Dancing with the Stars. Honestly, I just got to say, like, how great for Nelly to have gotten that far. I mean, he slayed. And as far as somebody that, that like, improved so greatly over the course of the season like he improved so much he was slaying it by the end of it i was just blown away i think he's amazing also i want to be bff so like nelly let's hang well by the way i was one who called that i called the three of the four people at the end so oh you did i did i don't even watch that show i feel like it's appropriate to go out with uh kb's song here for that all right, Brandi. I'm thankful for you. Aww. <laughs> I'm also thankful for you, Wells. I yeah. really am. Mm-hmm. If she's being honest, she's not, I think. I can be honest. <laughs> All right. Bye. Why it appears. I don't need to read about it, hear about it somewhere else. And people who don't like it can turn it up Love me or love me not, but they don't know me And I can be hot enough for all of us on myself And if I'm being honest This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.